0: business leaders and apply their wisdom to your life and business. For those of you who don't know, Mike Bazinski is the CEO of Buzzworthy Integrated Marketing, a U.S. Air Force veteran, lifelong entrepreneur, digital marketing thought leader, and author. Dubbed a visionary marketer by the American Marketing Association, Michael gets great satisfaction from helping entrepreneurs avoid the time drain and frustration of managing profitable digital marketing campaigns. Buzz, as many people call him, specializes in doubling website revenue for service-based businesses using the Rule of 26. Before we dive in, I wanted to share that the business couch with Dr. Yishai is brought to you by adaptability coaching and consulting. If you lead a seven plus figure business and want to reach the next level for yourself and your business, if you have passions, goals, and dreams and want to continue to strive as a team, a leader, and a visionary without risking burnout, if you have overcome challenges, developed wisdom, and know that adapting is not just for surviving, but a core part of thriving, then adaptability coaching is for you. With psychology and neuroscience-backed tools, the 3D Adaptation Framework can show you how to tap into and harness the way our brains are uniquely designed for adaptation. You can learn to harness and leverage adaptability tools and frameworks to grow yourself and your company. You can learn to become fast, flexible, and formidable. You can learn to hone yourself further, to proactively adapt, to thrive, instead of reactively adapting just to survive. To learn more, go to dryishai.com/slash coaching. On Insight Sunday, Buzz shares his wide and deep entrepreneurship experiences that brought him to found Buzzworthy Integrated Marketing. We talk about growth and scaling, the difference between referrals and digital marketing. How to Create Your Most Effective Client Avatar, and the Three Key Performance Indicators that Buzz uses to double his clients' revenues. And now, without further ado, join me in welcoming Mike, Buzz, buzinski Welcome, Buzz. Hey, how are you doing? I'm doing really well, thank you. And thanks for grabbing a seat with me on the business couch today. Yes. So, yeah, my pleasure. On Insight Sunday, we dive into the minds of entrepreneurs and business leaders to uncover insights into how your minds work and extract tangible takeaways to learn and implement. So I wanted to first start by saying thank you for your service. Oh, thank you. Yeah, of course. It it really means a lot. So let's dive into, and, and I'd love to hear a little bit about your journey, how your kind of entrepreneurial journey into digital marketing, founding and running multiple companies. And of course, I really have to ask about the rule of 26 and how it emerged. I know that's a lot, but I'd just love to hear those stories.
1: All right. Well, I'll get the fast part or the old part done fast so we can dive into some of the new stuff. So actually my first business, I started back when I was 17 as a photographer. Eagle Eye Photography was an outdoor portrait photography company and it supplemented what I did uh, full-time, which was photography for day jobs. Right around the age of 22, I joined the Air Force after seven years of failing to become a world-renowned professional musician. During the Air Force, I continued to look at my music career. Most people don't realize being a musician is being an entrepreneur. You're marketing a product that nobody else has. And so you get a lot of that background. All of my jobs up through the Air Force were marketing and sales. I excelled at that. Early on, I worked for big corporations let's see, uh, Bastium Tickets or Ticketmasters, most people call it now, Olin Mills, which was the largest portrait studio in the country, and Guitar Center at the time, the largest guitar retailer in the country. Just kept running into corporate ladder bumps, uh, glass ceilings, if you will. So Mm -hmm. Air Force got me out of California. And when I got out, I was stationed in Alaska, and I decided it was time to get out and I'd just gotten a divorce. So it was just time for brand new, but I didn't want to go back to California, nothing there for me. And I'd fallen in love with Alaska. So for the first 15 years out of the Air Force, I built a recording studio first. Buzz Biz Studios was the original rendition of my company. And it was a working musician studio. So I wanted to forego the horrible experiences that I'd had in professional studios for other musicians. And mm-hmm. I ended up doing a lot of education. Of course, surviving off of starving musicians is a horrible business plan. So I mm-hmm. immediately pivoted into my other creative structures. So I had graphic design and then we added web development and all the things. And so we slowly became a production studio for small businesses Small businesses don't have any money either, but I stayed the course. I feel that small business in America is the backbone of our economy. It's also the foundation for the middle class and it's where 97% of all new jobs come from. And therefore that's my new service to my country is to help that waning middle class to have that voice and small businesses get shorted so much. So through my journey, mm-hmm. the studio became an agency And so we eventually became BuzzBiz Creative, and it was a full-fledged creative agency. We had a 13,000-square-foot facility, multi-million-dollar revenue years, in-house staff of over 25, plus all of the contractors beehiving around the activity. We served over 300 companies a year, blah, 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 blah. And about 2018, I was coming back from Italy. I did a feature length film documentary for a local choir that went on tour in seven cities in Italy. So we were gone for 11 days and my staff, uh, kind of a portion of them had basically put up a coup. And so I lived through the coup Mm. and then started to ask myself, like, is this what I want to rebuild another team? Because it kind of Cut my team in half. And Mm. my diehards were great. They're there, but it was more stress than I thought that they should. And I could see that waning on them because those folks had gone through the tough times. Like when we were pre seven figure, we were lean and mean and we worked really hard and it was just us. And then we blew up over a two year period, three year Mm. period. And I mean, it was just explosive growth. And we had an awesome culture, the whole nine yards. I was really proud of the company that we built. And I say we, because without my employees, I don't have anything. And so we had this culture of a employee centric business with client centric employees. And so mm-hmm. all of my job was to do was take care of the employees and their job was to take care of the clients. And so as that focus down came in, why are you here? I'm here to make a great place for creatives to work. And why are they there to make the clients money? Right. And so it came really simple. And that's one of the things that people really enjoyed working with me is that I simplify things. But in Mm. 2018, I found myself owning the job of a CEO and my mission wasn't in line with what I'm passionate about. So I decided to shut it all down and rethink it into a virtual company. And so since January 2019, we've been completely virtual. So all of my employees, except for two, are 1099 contractors and I have three W2 employees. There is about 12 of us. I say about because we're in contracting. When you're using contractors, they come and go Mm
2: -hmm. because
1: they're business owners as well. But it's really given me a good shift because I'm a B2B company and my teammates are B2B people. They're B2B mindset. So I, I get to really focus on what we do and our vision because I don't have to switch my brain from CEO to marketer, CEO To production manager. If you come in and you prove yourself worthy to work with us, and I say that non arrogantly, it's just like, listen, we have a process. I've been doing this for a long time. Like, if you Mm -hmm. can do it this way, you can work with us. We're going to be symbiotic. But -hmm. if you can't, there's plenty of business out there. Well, get something that's more in line with you. And that's Mm -hmm. really served me well. And so now we're going back towards the seven figures, and I'm just really cautiously growing now and being very specific about who we do business with. And we've niched down our target clients that we like to do marketing for. And that is for service-based businesses, closely held, usually self-managed service-based businesses. And people say, well, kind, if you're serving people and creating things for other people, you're a service-based business, right? And so you asked about the Rule of 26 and the Rule of 26 is an ebook that I just finished the graphical version of. It's in a PDF, boring version right now. Uh, Next week, we're launching the color version. And what I wanted to do was business owners come to, to digital marketers with lots of questions. One is, what is digital marketing? And digital marketers are notorious for throwing around key performance indicators in digital marketing to make themselves feel bigger. And they also mm. use to mask, mediocre success in their campaigns. Mm. And I'm like, no, I don't like that. I think it's disingenuous. I think it's dishonest. And so what are the three things... That really move the needle when it comes to revenue, because it's really the only reason any business should adopt a marketer is that they don't have the expertise or time to do marketing themselves, right? And they don't want to bring somebody in house. You now you have another employee and all the headaches that come with that, right? And so you want to bring in somebody who can hit the ground running, has all the ideas, can do all of that, but they don't want to feel stupid. And so I boiled it down to three KPIs that move the needle, and one is traffic. Another is conversion rate, and another is average value per client, or average value per purchase is what it's called. I think I'm going to create a new word for AVP. But right now, I'm using acronyms that the general public understands that have done any studying with that. But anyway, if you increase each of those KPIs by 26%, you will actually double the revenue coming from your website. So people go, Mm. well, how is 79% equal 200%. (laughs) Uh And the math works. I put it in my book and I've had accountants look at it and they're like, nope, math works. (laughs) It's there. And so what that does is allows us to break down three objectives to start working with me in an effort to just double the revenue. And for Mm -hmm. some people, that's not a really hard thing to do, but when you see it, you're like, okay, I can do this. And that confidence opens up so many doors in marketing because there's so many things you can do. And a lot of people get stuck in that uh, paralysis through analysis. And so Mm -hmm. if I can just give you three things to focus on that you can wrap your arms around, sink your teeth into, and we attack it, done. And so we do that at the rudimentary level. And then when people are like, well, that's awesome. Now what do we do? We do it again. So technically we quadruple because we double the double, we quadruple the business they're getting from their website. Now they see their website as an investment. So many people are stuck in this, like, well, my website doesn't make me any money. Talk to people on LinkedIn every day. Oh, Mm -hmm. we get all of our business through referrals. How much more business would be coming to your, through your door without waiting for a referral? You can't expect referrals. I mean, we know we got 50 or 60% of all of our business through referrals at one time. We get Mm -hmm. that, but that's not how you grow. That's how you maintain.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's my business is all about that is just working with owners who see the bottom line, can see the value of it. A lot of my clients have been with me, I mean, through thick and thin for over a decade.
2: Mm. So
1: you know, when people talk about hyper growth and digital agencies and all this stuff, we don't consider ourselves a digital agency. I hate that word; it's mm. overused as a buzzword. Our average client sticks with us for three years, and, and and like I said, I have a couple that have been with us for over twelve years where most agencies, they're happy when they get somebody for as much as 11 months. So
2: mm-hmm. that means
1: that their turnover is 100% every year. You're not getting really deep into anybody's marketing mm-hmm. if you're not spending more than a year on it. You're really getting moving in that first year. like You're figuring out what's working, what doesn't. And you don't really have true historical data until the second year, right? So mm-hmm. that first year is like, hey, let's test a bunch of stuff to so see what gets traction. And then let's see how we can improve it year over year. So.
0: Yeah, there's so many parts to that that I would love to dive into and hear more about. I've been just trying to like catalog a bunch of them. and (laughs) No, please. I think there's so much to understand and to pull out there. One thing, I'll start with some of the recent stuff and then we may go back to some of the stuff previously that you were talking about. One thing I think that's really interesting is you're talking about referrals are a way of maintaining business rather than growing it. You mentioned that also that at some point, 50 to 60% of your business was through referrals. So I'm really curious to hear more about how you think about online traffic or website traffic. And obviously the other KPIs, like conversion rate and the value per client. How do those fit in? How do they present more opportunity than referrals in -hmm. your experience and from your perspective?
1: Great. That's a great question. So let's start with referrals. Referrals are literally advocacy point of the sales funnel, right? It's the last rung of a good six-level sales funnel, right? First, you convert them. That's like right there. You're like, okay, I've converted somebody into a client. Then you keep them, which is retention. And after you've kept them, for over time, you create an advocate. That advocate is the person who's out there talking for you. But they're busy people. Their full-time job is not that. Where a website's full-time job, is to describe and convince people that you are that solution to whatever ails them. So if I increase traffic to that website, and I'm smart about the traffic I'm bringing there, so I'm bringing qualified traffic to that website, I am now have my own digital advocate working 24-7, seven days a week, doesn't take any sick days, doesn't take vacation, and doesn't need any benefits,
0: right? Mm. (laughs) So I'm going to draw that parallel. I think I'm hearing that The way a referral works is somebody who has this experience with you, then goes out and is explaining, describing, helping people understand what it is that you do in a way that also shows them that you are really great at it and you can be helpful to them. And Mm -hmm. so ideally, when somebody is giving you a referral, it's because they've had an interaction with someone and they've shared with that person that you are the solution or can give them the solution to what ails them, as you put it. So that's one approach is the in-person approach where somebody is saying that. Now, the number mm-hmm. of times somebody can say that over the course of a day, a week, a month, a year, especially if they're, and when they are busy people, so especially if you're a B2B company, but even if you're not, <laughs> even if you're working with individuals, we right. all have really busy calendars. I know right. before the podcast, we were chatting a little bit and talking about schedules and how full they get and how to address that and deal with those things. And at the same time, on the one hand, someone who you've served who knows inside and out what it is you can do and have done for them. And they then go and explain or help other people understand that that you can be helpful to them. And that's just one person with one mouth. When you have a website, and only really one or two or maybe a few people are going to hear it at a time, it's really rare that a lot of people will be able to see or hear or be exposed to it. And the way a website works, particularly, and I think you really kind of qualified this beautifully, you talked about how you need to have the right kind of traffic. So if you're not getting in front of the right people, it's kind of like standing on the street corner and screaming at everybody who walks by. And if you're intentional and consciously putting yourself in front of the right kinds of people then your website can be that advocate it can do or fulfill that same role and it's replicable and it can do it while you're sleeping even though yes other people can do it while you're sleeping also but they need to sleep your website doesn't need to sleep and so what i'm really hearing is that when you're intentional and specific and think about your website in this particular kind of way it can serve that role and it can do it in a really powerful and i think something else you touched on is it's much more scalable, the reach that you can have, not just extending, but also in terms of depth and in terms of it really showing people Mm -hmm. how you can be helpful to them in a way that isn't about just manipulating them. Like, Obviously, if you're not going to do good work with them, then that's not a great thing to essentially con them into. We're not talking about that or we're not talking about manipulating or conning people. What we're talking about is really helping them, And I know you mentioned that being a service-based business is creating something that really helps solve people's problems, their pain points, whatever it is they're struggling with, what they need in order to grow, whether it's growing their business or themselves to experience fulfillment or success, whatever that looks like for them. And I know that when it comes to marketing, a lot of marketing, and I would love for you to speak to this. So I'll put this on the table and you can speak to it. A lot of marketing is about Being intentional, being clear, and then intentional in communicating with people. Here is what I do, and here is how it helps or what and who it helps. Mm -hmm. And if you're not clear about that internally, it's going to be really hard to be able to communicate that in a way that's effective. It's also going to be really hard to serve them because you're not being that specific with what you do and how you help and to find the people for whom it will be helpful. So, I'd love to hear a little bit about that and how you think about marketing in that sense.
1: So, marketing, like people talk about marketing in many different ways, right? And I think what you're alluding to is that you're hitting your target, right? There are so many people that are connected through the internet now, just 10 years ago, 15 years ago. I'll give you 20, but that's not a long time. You didn't have that. You could be a mediocre service provider in a small community. And have no competition. Now, no way. I don't like how you even look. I go back on the internet and try to find somebody else. And they can be halfway around the world. And as long as they're they're talking the way you want to hear, they got a chance. Mm. Right. And so marketing is really about being personal to what you want in your business, right? It's much more, I feel, in the essence of a website needs to be really about your vision and what drives you. And so niching or niching, however you want to say it, is about getting very specific to what we call an avatar, right? There's some people go down and say, what color hair do they have? And what's their eyes? And what's their favorite food? No, I don't care, right? I'm not trying to put an avatar of you on my website. We come in all sizes, shapes, colors, attitudes, the whole nine yards. Mm -hmm. What I'm talking about is actually the attitude and their vision and mission. If you get two people working together in sequence, just focused on the same thing in the same way, it's amazing what you can get done in very little time, which saves everybody time, energy, and money, right? So a long time. We did anything and everything, right? E-commerce, service-based, retail, online, offline, you name it, we did it. Travel, law, dental, medical, all those things, right? Over the years, I have niched it all the way down to as far as I can right now. And that is service-based business. And people are like, well, you can niche it down some more. I said, yes, I can. Problem is, is I've been doing this so long now. It doesn't matter what your service is. It's about what you do for people. And that right there, I don't care what you do as a profession. I just need to hear your story of what you do for people. Mm. That's the marketing. Your website needs to convey that. And then if your whole website is talking to one type of person, right? Because that's really what you're talking about, right? So you're in adaptation, right? So people are having problems growing either out of failure or into success, right? They're either stuck this way or they can't reach what they want to get to, right? And so you're helping them pivot their mindset, right? So people who are confused in who they are, if you talk to them on your website about that, you're going to trap those people. Like Mm. wildfire, right? But if you talk about, hey, we're going to grow your business through blah, 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 blah. You're not connecting with them. Their biggest pain point is their mindset. So many people try to convince people of things that they think that they don't, their audience doesn't know on their website. Mm. Rather than talk to the pain and show a solution. Mm -hmm. If it doesn't connect, don't get on the phone. You're going to waste a half an hour to an hour of your time trying to convince somebody that you're the solution. So if your right, website is clear to who you want to work with, what mm-hmm. you want to do for them and what they'll get out of working with you, all of your clients will be happy clients.
0: Yeah, if the people who are ending up on the website or the way you're talking is attracting the kind of person who is not aligned, they're not going to be in lockstep, but with how you approach and what you solve, then mm-hmm. all of that time is wasted for you, for them. I mean, it's just not a great proposition for anybody. It's a lose-lose yeah. lose, proposition. Mm-hmm. Right. I'll share with you I have like a two-page client avatar. And my avatar is not demographic. It doesn't have all those details about eye color, hair color. What okay. I like to call psychographic. There you go. I, I love was it. really intentional. Yeah. Yeah, I was super intentional about what is it that they're struggling with? How is it that they're thinking? what is their thought process? How is the thought process potentially even getting in their way? And as you said, part of what I work with and work on is adaptability, as the (laughs) kind of sign behind me says I'm pointing to right now. Uh, And there's such an important piece of that. And then the way I was intentional, and of course, I look at this all the time, when it comes to the website, if the website doesn't from the very beginning speak to, here's where you struggle, here's what you want, here is the outcome. And, And if it doesn't Pull them along the road. And it's kind of like you know paving the golden road in front of them and saying, here, come and walk along. And the beginning of it is, I like Mm -hmm. to think about it as empathy. It's about, Mm -hmm. I understand you. I feel you. I know what you're experiencing. And how do I know that? Well, because that's what I solve. That's what I think about. That's what I do all day long. Mm -hmm. And so I'm really intentional about that. I think it's such an important point that when you're thinking about your clients and how you serve them, that you're really intentional about what it is exactly they're experiencing, how it is that you help them. And there's so much, you can go so deep into that. Like I said, it's like mm-hmm. two pages single spaced. Right. There's so many parts to that. Parts that are working for them, parts that they're getting stuck on. I like to sometimes think about it. My brain is a kind of tinkerer's brain. When I was younger, I used to Pull apart things like watches and radios right. and yeah, I used to do that. My parents would get very <laughs> never annoyed came at me. back
1: together the same way though.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why my parents would get annoyed with me sometimes. Sometimes <laughs> it would, and I'd feel really great when it did. I mean, relieved because I wasn't gonna get yelled at or something, but someone else wasn't gonna be upset or disappointed about it. And I like to sometimes think about it almost like a clock, in that there are all these gears and they're different size and there are all these different parts of it. And What's really important when you're making this client avatar is to identify which parts of this clock aren't particularly working well, whether it's the gear system or the, the turning system or the power system or the, just whatever it is. You need to be really clear on what parts of that are not working for the people that you help, and then it becomes really clear what I do is I replace this gear for you. And that gear might be your mindset, here's a part of your business that you haven't worked on or that if you make it more efficient, you know, it can be super helpful and can really lead to more of those outcomes that you want. It can get you to whatever your goals are. Those goals can be really varied as well. I take
1: it one one step further Mm -hmm. and say that you have to be clear on which gear you work on. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people are like, I can fix the whole clock. And that's Mm -hmm. where in marketing, that's where agencies come in. And they go, Mm -hmm. just give me the whole clock. We'll get this thing ticking like nobody's business. It'll be a Rolex before you know. Mm -hmm. And we used to be that we used to be a creative agency. And the problem with that is that meant we were creating new processes every week as we had a new challenge come in. Can you do this? Yes. There was no such thing as no.
0: Mm. So
1: in the metaphor, Saying no to the wrong type of expertise, frees you up to get better and better at the things you're actually good at. Mm-hmm. There used to be all these self-help books in there, how to create strengths through your weaknesses and all this other stuff, right? And then you go and, and you read stuff like Michael Gerber and Mike McCallowitz and all these other guys. And they're like, delegate the stuff you suck at so you can mm. be awesome at the things you're good at. Like if you get better at something you suck at, you're going to be okay, right? But all that time you put there could have been put to something you're already good at and make you even more incredible at it, right? Mm. And that's what I've done is like, as my creative agency became a digital firm, as like, okay, what part of digital marketing do I want to talk about? And so I specifically work on website marketing. And those three points that you mentioned, right? Those, right. Three and, that, yeah. and so everything we do drives those three points, right? Yeah. Now, are there a bunch of tools out there that do that? Yes. Do I have people specific for each of those gears that feed that part of that clock? Yes. But what Mm -hmm. I do is strategy and all the other things that go along with getting the orchestra or to orchestrate all of the things that make it work, right? Mm -hmm. But in your business, you can offer more things than you're good at. Just make sure you have the best team around you so that you're not spending time trying to figure out how to make it work. It should just work.
0: Yeah. Coming back to that clock metaphor, if you are really good at building or creating replacement gears for one specific gear then the ones you can create, you can hone and hone and hone. And as you do, it'll be easier to make them. You can even mass produce them. And then at that point, because you have that system, because you have that understanding, the depth of understanding, what you can do is really quickly, kind of like Chick chock. someone comes, they bring in their watch, you look at it, you say, okay, your problem is in this area. I have this thing, I can help you with it. I already have the system. Bada bing, bada boom, bada bang, and you're done. Right. And the clock's working really beautifully. But if you are, hey, no matter what problem you have, well, then you come and you have to spend 45 minutes pulling the clock apart and finding, figuring out what is not working. And then, oh gosh, it's this thing that I didn't really know before, so I need to go figure it out now. And then there's a lot of scrambling that happens. And I think something really powerful that you said is when you want to expand and offer more than just one thing, the way you can do that is by increasing the expertise around it and by being intentional, not taking everything, but being really intentional. saying, okay, we are really good at this one gear. Now let's look at some of the few things around it that we've had to kind of jigger and mess with along the way. And let's get really good at some of those things. And then we can offer that. And Mm -hmm. then we can hone that. And then it becomes the other expertise. And again, it's I think really important to be aware of not taking on too much at once or not saying, yeah, we'll say a yes to everything. And instead to really be very, very clear in what you can do. And if you're going to grow it, it's really important to be intentional and to grow it along with the expertise slowly. That's such an important and empowering point, I think.
1: I think you can, de- we won't beat this us too much longer, but the type of clock you're working on is another piece to that. Mm. Pocket watch versus wristwatch versus grandfather clock versus a cuckoo clock. Mm-hmm. Okay, Because the gear that you have or your inventory, skill mm-hmm. sets... For a pocket watch, the inventory you need and the tools you need to work on a pocket watch are not the same as a cuckoo clock.
0: Mm. Yeah, you need That's different why tools.
1: I work very specific type of service space. Like when you talked about the psychographic of your avatar, mines in the business cycle of an avatar. So the type mm. of business it is, how that business is owned and ran, and then what's the size of that business. Right. I don't work with startups. Startups mm. are too frantic. They don't even know who they're making stuff up as they go. They haven't had anything established. My sweet spot is anybody's been in business for at least three years, usually five to 10, and they are trying to get to the next cycle in their business. Mm -hmm. So they're either struggling or stagnant in sales and revenue, or they feel like they're bleeding advertising money. It's not Mm -hmm. hitting right. And so they're like, well, we can't spend more money, but we also don't feel like we're getting enough from the money we are spending. So Mm -hmm. I come in and take a look at that, right? So that specific, that's my pocket watch. Mm-hmm. Other people are like, well, I do grandfather clocks, enterprise, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> big companies where it's like, all we have to do is move KPIs to be successful mm-hmm. where my small business owners go, no, I saw my revenue go up. Mm-hmm. And when they don't see it, I can show them where it came because sometimes you lose business one place and I create business here. And you don't understand why you're here. It's like, well, one of your other avenues is not performing while I'm making up the difference. So I can track everything there, Mm. right? But that's because I know the pocket watch. I know how it ticks. I know what it's supposed Mm. to sound like. I know the jewels where they're supposed to be and how much wear and tear each thing has to have. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody has that roofers, uh, psychologists, lawyers, all those types of things. So I got lawyers that tell me, you know, I have some of my lawyers. I'm like, Hey, I want to do X, Y, Z. Like I'm not the guy. Mm. Why? Why wouldn't you do it? You're a lawyer because it's not their expertise. That's not the set of books they got in their library.
0: Yeah. It's not their kind of watch. No, no, it's not their watch. Thank you so, so much. I'm going to dive into a couch round. So these are questions that I ask everybody by way of kind of getting towards wrapping up Okay. because time is definitely making fools of us right now. (laughs) Uh, So thank you so much for sharing. And to dive into our couch round, first question is, in your experience, does growth happen in quantum leaps or small increments?
1: Small increments every time. Mm. The problem with quantum leaps and growth is that you leave behind process. And when you leave behind mm. process, you then have to spend a lot of time cleaning up messes and then reverse engineering what got you there and then re-engineering how you can run at the new level of business. Mm. I talk from experience. <laughs> I was going to say, there's a lot of
0: experience behind that. And that means yes, like, I had oh, 10 me. years
1: of double digit growth year over year. Mm. Okay? And yeah. we went from a staff of five to this, a staff of 12 in a year. Mm. And then over a two-year period, we went from 12 to 25.
0: Yeah, you the way that, that you
1: run a business with 5 people versus 12 people versus 25 people are completely different.
0: Yeah, and I would love to hear more about that. Let's save that for story Tuesday because I think there's so many lessons to learn there. Okay. So, I'm really excited to hear more about that. So, let's if it's okay dive into the next question. Sure, go ahead. Is innate talent or skill development more important in business? I personally think you have to have
1: both. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're a service-based business. You got to have the talent to provide the service, but you have the skills to deliver it.
0: Mm. Thank you. Next question. What type of content have you been consuming lately, whether that's for pleasure or for business? And how do you like to consume content? I consume content in a couple different ways. I have been consuming...
1: Business books, marketing books. In writing my own book, I've been studying how other people talk about marketing so that I can contrast my flavor. But then I'm also looking at new technologies and whatnot there. I like my ebooks because I can make notes in them. I don't think that audiobooks serve me very well in that I like, I read very slow because I'm always contemplating why Mm. and how something that is being said even pertains to me. How does Mm. it pertain to me? How can I make it? Work for me, that type of thing. And then audiobooks I use for biographies and short stories and those types of things. And then just as of late, I've been doing a lot of documentaries about races in America Mm. and I've been studying politics and the different types of politics and types of governments around the world so that I can understand some of the shifts that are happening here in America. Oh, that's a lot.
0: I think there's there's a whole other podcast in just diving into all those different topics. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. So I wanted to jump into our next question. What is or are your non-negotiables in life, whether that's routines, values, time you protect, whatever that might be? Health
1: is the number one non-negotiable. If I can't keep a schedule that allows me to get enough sleep, get enough exercise and eat properly, then it's all for
2: naught.
1: I'd spent a lot of years ruining my body. I have a picture of me that turned my life around when I was 36, 37. Mm. When I turned my life around, I was drinking too much. I wasn't exercising at all. And I wasn't taking care of myself mentally, physically, metaphysically, any of that. I saw a picture of me as gangrious looking, horrendously overweight. And you could just see it in my eyes, just lack of passion, vision, and all the other things. And so Mm. that's my non-negotiable. It is my health.
0: And it's really powerful to have that image of you in that state to remind you and show you, this is what I never want to experience. Ever. That's not miserable. even close. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's that's a real reason to get out of bed in the morning. And I know you mentioned you've been getting out of bed in the morning quite early recently. Yes. Um, Gym at five. And people are like, why five? Because that's when I can do it.
1: And if I couldn't do
0: it then, then something else would get bumped out of the way. Because it's non-negotiable, right? That non-negotiable. comes right back to the non-negotiables. Our last questions are where and how can people find and connect with you and with your company? And then what type of outreach is welcome versus what might not be so welcome or might even be ignored? Great. There's a couple of ways you can reach me.
1: For people who just have, want to get a conversation going, not necessarily business interests or anything like that, just want to ask me things, get hold of me at LinkedIn or on LinkedIn, Michael Bazinski. For business inquiries and stuff like that, the best way to get a hold of me is buzzworthy.biz, buzzworth dot is our page. And then if you want to learn more about the rule of 26, go to
0: ruleof26.com and you can get a free download there. Awesome. Thank you. And all of those are going to be in the show notes. So they should be pretty easy to either just click on, or if you're on Apple, you might be able to just copy it and then paste it. Perfect. Uh, because I know they don't really put links in the show notes there. So it'll be easily accessible. Awesome. Thank you. So I wanted to thank you for joining and sharing your thoughts and wisdom in entrepreneurship, in thinking about and approaching marketing. And I really appreciate how much you really shared about how you think about marketing, what's really important about it. And I want to... Let you know, I hope you, the listener, have really gained a lot out of the conversation today. I hope it stimulated a lot of thought for you. I know it certainly has for me. And there's so many other things that I want to ask, and hopefully, we'll be able to dive deeper in on Story Tuesday just by way of recap. So, today, Buzz, you shared your own experience and so many different parts of your own history, in whether it's the photography, the creative of being a photographer or a musician, your various jobs in sales and marketing, and how all along the way, as early as 17, you've really been thinking about and developing and working on building businesses. And thank you so much also for sharing how the rule of 26 works, that you have three KPIs, that if you just increase the traffic, the conversion rate, and then the value per customer or per client or per purchase, depending on how you want to exactly look at it. But if you just increase each of those by 26%, the way the math works in the kind of multiplication and the output of it is that it will double your business. And you can do that over and over again if you're really intentional about it. And then we really dove into exactly how to be intentional and how that works, how important it is to get the right kind of traffic. And we talked so much about the ins and outs. And I like to call it the psychographic of the avatar, not just, you know, what do they look like? And that's a lot less important than how are they thinking? Where are they stuck? what is their pain point? And so we really dove so deep into that and how important and why it's important. And then also how that connects with how you as a company, who you are, what you do, and how to really refine that and not push or expand yourself beyond your limits in a way that can lead to unsustainable growth or can lead to scrambling to try to do things for clients that isn't necessarily your expertise just yet. So we talked a little bit about that and how to grow your way into expanding your expertise and being able to offer more. Thank you so, so much for sharing all of that, Buzz. Really, really, really wonderful conversation. And I can't wait to dive deeper into more of your hard-earned lessons and definitely talk about that story that you were just mentioning on Story Tuesday. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining us today on The Business Couch with Dr. Yishai. If you enjoyed today's episode, take a moment to rate and review the podcast. It helps grow the show and gives more people like you the ability to learn and grow. You can also click the share button to share today's episode directly with someone you know who would enjoy it. The Business Couch of Dr. Yishai podcast artwork is made by Sam Barkadari, show notes by Yishai Barkadari, and music by www.purple-planet.com. The advice and opinions of the host and guests are our own. I'm a psychologist, but not your psychologist. The conversations and content of this podcast do not contain or create any psychology practice, diagnosis, or therapist-patient relationship with either the guest or the listener. So do your own research before using anything from this podcast thank you for listening remember our thoughts and reactions affect our actions by listening we can learn from the challenges others face and the choices they make so that we can make better decisions and get better results